Hear now the word of our Lord. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. Which means God with us. When Joseph woke up. He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage till she gave birth to a son. He gave him the name Jesus. This is the word of God. May it find its way into our hearts and lives this morning by the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to introduce you all to a book that has changed my life. It's this uh, volume right here called Christianity, the First 3,000 Years. I came uh, uh, across this book about five years ago, and I cannot tell you what a difference it has made in my life. It is a long um, a thousand page or more book about um, the history of Christianity and the different uh, schisms and denominations and, and, and different theologies of the Miaphysites and Diophysites and, and ecumenical councils and all of those things. And I'm telling you, this book has made such a difference for me. Um, I am uh, and always have been what you would call a, a night owl. I mean, from my teenage years... I was lucky if I got to sleep at 2 a.m. And um, because usually um, right around 10 o'clock is when my brain kind of perks up again and, and won't let go of me. And I'm always thinking, I'm always tossing and turning and, uh, and struggled with it for years. I, you know, I, I wouldn't get to bed till 2 a.m. And, uh, and then, um, uh, you know, I, I have to get up you know, seven or eight, get, get kids on the bus and, and, uh, and I would just be ruined all day and then, uh, and, and, and tired and then I wouldn't sleep again till 2 a.m. It was ruining my life until I met Christianity the first 3,000 years. Uh, because I began to read this every night before bed. Uh, reading about the Miaphysites and Diophysites and the ecumenical councils. And I'm telling you, it only takes two or three sentences, and I'm out. <laughs> this is better than Ambien. It works every single time. I've been reading this book for about five years, and I'm only halfway through it. Um, unless, unless... I've got something on my mind. 
unless something's weighing on me, unless something's really stressing me out, and then it doesn't matter how much Christian history I read, I cannot get to sleep. Have you ever experienced that? You're just tossing and turning all night long because you've got something weighing heavily on your mind and on your heart. Maybe there's like, maybe like, there's like a difficult conversation you have to have tomorrow. Or, or you, you, you've got, you, you've got a decision to make, uh, A or B, left or right, Pepsi or Coke, and you're just, and you're tossing and turning, and you're trying to figure it out, you're, you're looking for some kind of clarity, and you just can't reach it. So you're tossing and turning all night long. Has that ever happened to you? Maybe you're going through a crisis in your life, and, and you're just so uneasy about everything. You can't quite put your finger on what's wrong, but it just seems like everything's wrong, and you're just tossing and turning all the time. I mentioned that because I think that's where, uh, where we find Joseph this morning in, in our scripture reading. He's tossing and turning all night long. See, Joseph has just had the worst day of his entire life. Several months ago, he asked a girl to marry him. Now, I know y'all can get in your study Bibles and you're going to read, you know, marriages back in ancient times that were arranged by your parents. They didn't invent love until 1984 or, you know, whenever it was. But that's not exactly true. Maybe if you're talking about kings and queens and uniting kingdoms and things like that, it's, it's you know, it's, it's all arranged. But really, back in ancient times, you found a girl or a boy in your village that you wanted to settle with. And yes, it was arranged through the parents, but it was all about finding someone you wanted to spend the rest of your life with. And so Joseph fell in love with this girl named Mary, and, and, and he, he did what, what you did back then. He went and asked the father for, uh, for Mary's hand in marriage. And the father said what fathers were supposed to say back then. Let me think about it. Right? It's a good, it's a good strategy. A, it, 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 it makes the groom sweat a little bit. And that's always good. Let's him know who's in charge. But B, it gives you a chance to get home and ask your wife and ask the daughter if this arrangement is going to work for them, right? And so, uh, and so that's probably what, uh, what Mary's dad did. Went home that very night and said, so this Joseph boy wants to marry you. How do you all feel about this? And, and give me the answer, you know, and, uh, and then went back and said yes. And then that day they did it, the engagement. And, and the way it works, there's a blessing said over a cup. And, uh, and then money is exchanged. Like a, like a, a little dowry, a, a little symbol. Stuff is plunked down. And, uh, and, and now they are betrothed. And for, uh, for, um, for ancient, um, uh, Jewish people, uh, the betrothal was legally binding. In other words, you couldn't just, you couldn't just call off the divorce, um, call off the, the marriage. You had to get a divorce. It was legally binding because right after that betrothal, right after that money is plunked down, the groom is going to go this, do this. He's going to go back, um, to, uh, to the house he grew up in and, uh, and he's going to start making preparations for his new family. Sometimes that's adding a new room onto the house. 
And so, um, so Joseph has to get to work and he's got to start, um, he's a carpenter, so he's probably doing most of this himself, right? And, and he's building probably a new room onto a house that's going to house his, his new family that he's dreaming of. And, uh, and that's a lot of time and money and investment. So this is legally binding. That was months ago. Today, the worst day of his life. He woke up in the morning and you couldn't smack the smile off his face. He was just, he was just so excited. He was in love. He was, he was building this house. It's all, it's almost finished. And he had to, he had to go into town. He had to go into town to get some supplies, but also to catch a glimpse of his bride to be. He goes into town that afternoon and no one's making eye contact. And he kind of hear people whispering behind his back. And she gets to Mary's house. No one's making much eye contact there either. And Mary pulls him aside and says, I've got something to tell you. I mean, you've heard the story, right? I'm, let's go King James. I'm with child, right? I'm with child. And, uh, but don't worry. Um, this child is from the Holy Spirit, and and an angel told me about it. And Joseph's not an idiot. His heart is crushed. And he goes home, and he's shell-shocked. And now tonight he's tossing and turning. He doesn't know what to do. Part of him really wants to believe this story because he's stupid in love. And then the other part of him uh, hates that part of him for being so gullible. And, and he's going back and forth between being angry and wanting to punch a hole in the wall and, 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 and just being heartbroken, wanting to cry into his pillow. He's tossing and turning all night long. And he knows, he knows he has to divorce her. And so he's, but, but he's got to decide what kind of divorce is it going to be? He's got two options. He, he can, he can, um, he, he can go in front of the council of elders and accuse her of adultery and get his money back. I know you all have heard the same things I did. You know, the penalty of adultery was stoning. Well, by Joseph's time, they really didn't do a lot of that anymore, unless you were like a rigid fundamentalist or something like that. But, you know, what he could do is humiliate her and shame her in front of the whole community and sue her and get his money back. And when he's angry, that feels like the right thing to do because he's got that righteous anger. But then he remembers how much he loves her. And he can't fathom putting her through all that. And so he says, well, I'll just write her a certificate of divorce. She'll go her way. I'll go mine. No one has to know why. Maybe she can marry a fellow whose, whose baby this really is. And, and, and as long as people aren't too good at math, no one will be any, of, any the wiser. That's what he decides to do, but he's still, he's just tossing and turning. 
He, he still doesn't feel peace at peace about it. He still feels like he needs some clarity. Have you ever been there? Have you desperately needed clarity before? Maybe you've got this decision, A or B, left or right, Coke or Pepsi. You, you, need, you make a decision. You can't sit on the fence anymore, and you need some clarity, and it's not coming. You need to know the big picture, what your future holds, and, 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 and God's just not giving it to you. Well, sometimes he does, doesn't he? Joseph receives his moment of clarity, doesn't he? Like a bolt out of the blue. He has a dream and an angel shows up and an angel says to him, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived of her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. can't ask for much more clarity than that, can you? An angel in a dream. Here's what you do next. Don't be afraid. Don't worry. Do what your heart wants to do. Joseph has that dream and he doesn't even need a, a, a Christian history book. He can just fall asleep at peace. He feels this sense of, of relief and release. Has that ever happened to you? Has God ever just, when you need to get most, just, just got a hold of you and, and gave you the, the, the clarity you so desperately craved? Maybe you've been thinking and praying on this thing for a long time. And just suddenly, out of the blue one day, aha, the Holy Spirit just makes it bubble up. I had an experience just like that. Several years ago, when I was a youth pastor, I was going through this, this period where I was just... No, no, uh, no amount of Christian history would help. I was just up till 3 a.m. just about every night, tossing and turning, uneasy, and I couldn't figure out why. Because on the outside, everything in my life was going my way. A couple years earlier, I was invited to this church meeting and, 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 and the people said, I want you to tell us what your dream youth facility would be. And I, I took a piece of paper and I drew and, and it had a, a, a basketball court, a, a kitchen, and, and it had a, a game room and two Sunday school rooms and a stage. Like this, I mean, this, this, is, this is what it would be. And here, two years later, we, we were finishing it up. And it was almost exactly like that picture I'd drawn on a piece of paper. And yet, I wasn't happy. My heart wasn't settled. I was uneasy. At the same time, um, my... Uh, it seemed like my leaguers, my pastors, the, the senior pastor and the associate pastor, in my eyes, they could do no right. I, I just had this uneasy feeling that, that, that they were just uh, driving the whole church off a cliff. 
I had all these ideas and I felt like no one was listening to them. And I, I felt like, you know, I, I just wanted to shake them. But I'm a good, I'm a good soldier. And so I, I you know, I, I don't say anything. I just kind of, I kind of just stuff it down. And I'm, I'm just feeling uneasy and I'm tossing and turning all the time. So one afternoon, I go to um, a band concert. These are one of the trials you have to, you know, one of the ordeals you have to go through to be a youth pastor. You've got to go to like uh, girls' volleyball games, band concerts, piano recitals that last five hours. Um, and so I was at this band concert, and I usually like the Christmas ones because I know the songs and I can follow along. But, but, but when you're at a spring concert and they pull out all the obscure pieces, like the slow-moving ones, it gives you a lot of time to think. And so I was just, I, rem- I remember it clear as day. Um, it was in the middle of the Lord of the Rings suite. It was the, uh, the, the second movement, the, the, the orc section. And, uh, and I was sitting there thinking, and this thought just bubbled up. Just this thought just popped into my head. This is my last band concert as a youth pastor. I'm called to be a pastor. Now, when I told the people in my life, they were not surprised. There were, no one was shocked. No one clutched their pearls. But to me, it was a revelation. To me, it was out of the blue. And then suddenly, I felt this sense of release and relief. And I, I understood why, why, why I wasn't excited about that building. Because that, that building, I knew was the end of my chapter, the close of my chapter in youth ministry and the beginning of someone else's chapter. That was someone else's building. And I knew that in my heart all this time, but, but it was only right there in that moment of clarity that I understood that, 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 that it, it came up here. And then I realized that, that my pastors weren't doing anything wrong, that, 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 you know, um, that they were probably doing most everything right, but, but what was happening in my heart was I was feeling this itch to lead. And I was feeling this call to, 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 uh, to be a pastor and, and lead the people of God. And I didn't realize it until that moment, that out of the blue moment of clarity. Has that ever happened to you? The Holy Spirit ever just got a hold of you in one of those moments and just the scales fell from your eyes and, 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 and you saw exactly what it is you're supposed to do next. It's amazing, isn't it? For some of you, I know that answer is yes. And you, you could stand up right now and you could testify and you could, you could tell us about that time. I, I, it's just like you were describing, Pastor Danny. I was, I was going through this and, and, and I was tossing and turning and then, then, then it happened. It all clicked into place and I saw it and I knew what I had to do. And for some of you, the answer might be no, not really. And in fact, I'm kind of cheesed about it. Where's my angel 
and a dream. I feel like I've been tossing and turning forever. I feel like my stomach has been tied up in knots forever. And I've been waiting, waiting for God to give me clarity. And he just hasn't done it yet. When's he gonna? Something I want to tell you about moments of clarity. There's, there's a truth you need to know about these moments of clarity. First, sometimes they're few and far between. Some of us can, we, we can tell you about these, these couple of moments that we've had in our life where, where God has grabbed us, you know, by the shirt and shook us and, and told us what to do. But most of the time we're just waiting, praying, just trying to do our best with the information we have. Also, moments of clarity, they wear off. After all, an angel in a dream at the end of the day is still a dream. Oh, it's so vivid when you wake up. So, Joseph was probably so at peace, so excited when he woke up. I wonder how many days, how many weeks... He got away from that dream and, and all those, those, those voices of doubt came back. said, you really going to believe all of this on a dream you had? You really going to plan your whole life around the mental breakdown you had in the middle of the night? Is that really what you're basing all of this on? See, the further we get away from our moment of clarity, the more it just kind of dissolves. You know, after I decided I'm going to be a, a pastor, gosh darn it. I mean, there, there, there are trials along the way. Some Sundays you, you stand up before the congregation and, and you knock the chalice over and grape juice spills everywhere. And you think, that happened last Sunday, Gomez. Um, you think, you think, what am I doing here? What have I got myself into? I am unqualified for this. Those moments of clarity dissolve. And then you need something else. A story about an ethicist named John Cavanaugh. And John Cavanaugh um, was, was kind of world famous in ethics circles wrote a lot of important articles, and um, he decided uh, he wanted to meet Mother Teresa and write an article on Mother Teresa and about her sense of ethics. And so, uh, so um, he made the journey all the way um, to uh, the Sisters of Mercy Orphanage in Calcutta, and, um, and he gets there, and, I mean, he's called the hag, he's made his appointment, um, but, but he gets there, and, and they've got him waiting around like a commoner. Um, while Mother Teresa is spending time with orphans and lepers. And John Cavanaugh's not used to waiting, especially behind orphans and lepers. But finally, uh, Mother Teresa works her way around the room and gets to John Cavanaugh and, and, uh, and, and looks him in the eyes, and, and, and her eyes are sort of just exuding this compassion. And she says to him, 
how may I pray for you? He was almost, he's sort of taken aback by the question. And so he thought about this for a second. And he said to Mother Teresa, pray that I will have clarity. Mother Teresa looked back at him and said, no. He was even more taken back by this, no. <laughs> he said, no. Clarity is the last thing you cling to. I will pray that you will have faith. I think there's some deep wisdom in that for you and for me. While we're waiting on our angel in a dream, while we're waiting on our moment of clarity, while we're waiting for God to get our attention, faith is the thing that carries us through. See, we call it a moment of clarity because it's just that. It's a moment. And then it's gone. But faith is a posture toward life that gets us through those moments of clarity and gets us through those valleys of doubt. It's it's this way of living where we're always moving one step forward, one step at a time. I took my kids um, a couple of weeks ago to see Frozen 2, Electric Boogaloo. And um, uh, we were seeing the Frozen 2. I don't know if, uh, if any of you have had to see it with your, your kids or grandkids, right? Um, and, uh, and I don't want to spoil it too much for you because I'm sure many of you are, are getting out there this afternoon to see it. Um, but uh, in, in just broad strokes... Uh, it's about uh, these two sisters, Anna and Elsa. And Anna is the older sister, and she's sort of the leader, and she always knows what to do. And Elsa is sort of, um, is sort of the companion, the follower. Well, there's a point in the movie where Anna and Elsa get separated. And Anna finds herself in a cave, and, um, and she's unsure of what to do next. And uh, anytime anyone in a Disney movie is unsure of what to do next, they sing a song. And that's exactly what, uh, what Anna does. And I see some nervousness in here. I'm not going to sing this. <laughs> um, but I do want to share some words um, of, of this song with you that um, really resonated with me. Can there be a day... Beyond this night, I don't know anymore what is true. I can't find my direction. I'm all alone. The only star that guided me was you. How to rise from the floor when it's not you I'm rising for. Just do the next right thing. Take a step. Step again. That's all that I can do. The next right thing thing. I won't look too far ahead. It's too much for me to take. But break it down to this next breath, this next step, this next choice is one that I can make. So I'll walk through this night stumbling blindly toward the light and do the next right thing. While you're waiting on your moment of clarity, which may not come this side of the grave, 
You can do the next right thing. As Advent people, while we're waiting, we can still be faithful and we can still have faith. But even if it's not clear to us, it's clear to God. We can do the next right thing. We can do those things that are always good. It's always good to pray. It's always good to read the Bible. It's always good to show up and worship. It's always good to, to, to love our neighbor as ourself. To treat a stranger with kindness. Those things are always good and we can always do those things in the meantime. Sometimes God isn't calling us to have the whole picture. Sometimes God isn't offering us an angel in a dream. Sometimes he's just saying, do the next right thing. We'd be like this guy I read about once. He was tossing and turning all night long. Had, had a terrible day ahead of him, an important decision to make. Wasn't quite sure what he was going to do. Everything, everyone around him was asleep, but he was still up. Praying. In a garden. And there beneath the moonlight under an olive tree, He was praying so hard his hands were trembling. His lips were shivering. He was sweating. He was sweating so hard that sweat gave way to blood. And he prayed, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Yet not my will, but thy will will be done. And if he received his moment of clarity, it's not written down anywhere. Probably didn't have time. The next thing he heard was footsteps, a mob approaching with torches. So he stood up ready to do the next right thing. And the rest, as they say, is history. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen.